Welcome to Spot on Safety, the program designed for safety professionals. Spot on Safety is brought to you by iWorkWise, providing safety knowledge when you need it. For more information about iWorkWise, go to iWorkWise.com. Welcome to Spot on Safety, Episode 24, Ladders, with your hosts, Amy Does and Dan Smiley. Good morning, Amy. Hey, Dan. Another episode of Spot on Safety. I'm excited. Me too. Um, this is a pretty good uh, topic, and it's, it's one that badly needs to be talked about. doesn't seem that difficult, but um, still a lot of bad things happen to people um, on ladders. Um, so I'm glad we're covering this. So, as Amy just said, today's topic is ladders, and you might think that we would have covered this in another chapter, like walking surfaces or something, but ladders cause so many injuries and have so many regulations that are prescriptive surrounding their use that it really requires its own conversation. And as I was preparing for this podcast, I was looking up some statistics and I found some great ones. The American Journal of Preventative Medicine has found that ladder-related injuries have steadily increased some 27% per 100,000 people over the data that they accumulated in the 1990s. Based on the Consumer Product Safety Commission, track, they tracked that to 2005, and they found that nearly 162,000 people were treated annually in emergency rooms for ladder-related injuries. Those are big numbers. It's uh, really mind-blowing how uh, how high a risk is, really, of having a serious injury from a fall of even your own height. Additional statistics, some 10% of ladder injuries require hospitalization. Men suffer 76% of these injuries. And the most common injury related to ladder accidents is a fracture. So it's once you get hurt, um, chances are it's going to take a lot longer to heal, or perhaps you're not going to recover from this kind of an accident. No, and for employers, um, these are big claims just because of that. You, you could have permanent injury and very long recovery times and, and maybe need even repeated surgery in some cases. I, was, I found a website for a, a law firm in New York. It came up in the first page of a Google search for ladder accidents, and they're advertising for people who were injured on the job on ladders or scaffoldings in the state of New York to come file another claim because you may be entitled to more money than you would be under normal workers' compensation. So people are actively out there looking for clients from ladder accidents because there are so many of them, and it is apparently quite lucrative. Well, and OSHA's rules for ladders are so prescriptive it would actually be really difficult to be in 100% compliance all of the time with that kind of detail. And it's not just at work. I mean, if, on the one hand, you know, we're talking about what are the regulations for ladders and what do employers need to do to, to keep their people safe. But you know, ladders are the most common uh, consumer product injury. You know, many people use ladders at home. Probably more people use ladders at home than use them at work. 
a co-worker of mine was cleaning his gutters about a month and a half ago. He had leaned his ladder on a single-story house up against the gutter. The gutter fastenings themselves gave way, so he, the ladder, the gutter, all head towards the ground. And this poor guy, he broke five ribs, three in the front, two in the back. At the time he went to the doctor, the doctor said that he was going to be six to eight weeks recovering, and four weeks later... They tell him, well, it'll be another six to eight weeks from this point because the ribs in the back are not mending. And at some point, I expect to hear that they're going to go in and do surgery and wire those ribs in place so that they'll heal. That's seriously invasive surgery from which a person who may not ever fully recover. Ladders are dangerous. You know, they sure are. And they don't give you a ladder class in high school, which is unfortunate because we're all going to use them at some point, and there are some basic rules that really increase your chances of being okay on a ladder. So it's not that difficult to understand what to do, but uh, there, there's no OSHA requirement for ladder training, um, but yet we have this thing when misused or, or uh, installed incorrectly or constructed poorly. Um, it can really, really uh, damage a person's health and future work. And so OSHA looks at these ladders in two categories, portable ladders and fixed ladders. And unlike some of the other rules, there are specific actions that are required. Do you want to take us through a couple of those actions? Yeah, sure. The, the, uh, the ladder rules um, are really prescriptive and really detailed. If you were ever going to build your own ladder, like a job-made ladder, or um, I see it sometimes where people make wooden ladders to get up to mezzanines in warehouses or storage sheds or net sheds with the fishing fleets, um, or even on ships they build fixed metal ladders. Um, basically, nobody should be building a ladder on a ship or in a workplace on shore without reviewing OSHA's ladder standards first because they are not necessarily intuitive and um, it's, it's, they're not difficult either, but I don't think you have a, a great chance of making a ladder 100% legally and by the book if you don't actually have those little prescriptive uh, construction codes in front of us. So the first thing with, with ladder safety is to make sure it's designed correctly for the job or location that you're going to, you're going to use it in. Um, the second big big kind of grouping of, of safe actions that go along with ladders is inspecting it prior to use, um, making sure that it's, uh, it's attached firmly with where you're going to use it, uh, that you're looking for wear or corrosion, any kind of damage that's happened to it. Obviously, grease and oil on the rungs um, would increase your chance of having an injury on a ladder. So um, there has to be a good inspection before you use it and make sure that you've got it set up properly. And then there's using a ladder correctly. And this is different, you know, between fixed ladders and portable straight ladders and step ladders. There are a few basic rules. These ones aren't very complicated. Um, but if you follow it, you have a much greater chance of, of using your ladder successfully and without injury. And then we have to maintain the ladders in safe condition. Um, and especially this applies with fixed ladders. Keep an eye on them and make sure... Um, that nothing's changed with the with the good installation, so those are kind of uh, kind of layman's terms, a grouping of of different things to think about when you're considering ladder safety. Okay, well, with those general 
rules in place. Let's talk a little more specifically about portable step ladders. What are, what are some of the rules surrounding those and how, how should they be used? Well, with portable step ladders, um, they have to be set up on a stable base. Um, you cannot use them as a straight ladder. So portable step ladders have feet that are cut at an angle. So they're designed to be fully spread open with the spreader bars locked in place. We want to make sure those bars are in good shape. Occasionally they get banged up. Um, and that the ladder is flat on whatever surface you have it set up on. Um, if you do use it as a straight ladder, those angular feet cutoffs are basically, you're going to be leaning the ladder up and it'll be resting on just the tips. That's a small surface area and there's no safety feet on a portable um, step ladder. So you're, you're basically uh, putting all your weight on those pinpoints and uh, hoping and maybe even praying in this case that it doesn't slip. It's not designed to be set up uh, leaning in against something, which we may all be guilty of. But next time you go to do that, Dan, just take a look and see, see what I'm talking about, about the feet and the base of it, and you'll see that uh, it's a little bit precarious. The other main thing with a stepladder is the top step is not designed to stand on. Um, if, if you need to get up high enough where, uh, you have to stand on the top step, then you need to choose a longer ladder. Um, anyone who's done this and, and I have to admit I have too in my past and, uh, it gets a little shaky and a little wobbly it doesn't take much, uh, you know, messing with that, uh, balance there to get that ladder to tumble. And that's happened to many people on the job. So with portable step ladders, it's, it's all about setting it up properly, having it open completely with the spreaders locked in, in place and not standing on the top step. Those, those little tricks right there will keep you out of a lot of different uh, bad things that can happen with those. Well, it says right on the top there, it's uh, the one I have in my own basement, stamped right into the metal. This is not a step. But what if I just need to step up there just for a second? I, I, I'm just a little too short. I just want to get that box down off the shelf. I don't want to get another ladder. Can I use it for just a second? It's a it's a pretty risky behavior. You might want to think twice about that. And, you know, people make do with things around their house. And, and uh, you know, you pay your own insurance and your own homeowner's insurance. And the ladder clearly says don't stand on the top. So, you're holding the bag, and uh, and you might be the one missing out on all that work, uh, and it's your own darn fault at home. So something to think about. I don't think that people are going to not do that, but you got to realize that that's a pretty shaky behavior. Hey, you say that people use do all kinds of things at home, and it, not only do we like to step on the top step, maybe, but I just want to get something down off the shelf in the in the kitchen, and I, you know, I use the chair. I my wife tried to bring down this several years ago she tried to bring down something off a shelf and all that there was handy was an ottoman with wheels on it and so she (laughs) used that and took a tumble and she didn't break anything but though she bruised her ribs and it was painful for a good month sure well there's no end to the creativity that people uh will display when they're faced with the need of trying to reach something up high and uh, they just look around for anything handy. Um, so those those behaviors, you're free to you know kill yourself at home in those manners and everything. But in the workplace, um, the employer would be at fault without having proper means and means available um, to to do a, a, your job basically. So it's it's kind of a different ball game. You, you can definitely knock yourself out 
at home without OSHA coming after you. But for employers, uh, you have to have a little bit higher of a standard. How about portable extension ladders? Does some different rules apply to those? You know, there's, there's uh, really, again, this comes down to some basic things. Um, portable straight ladders, extension ladders, need the safety feet. Those are those feet that pivot and have little rubber bottoms to them, and so they adjust to uh, uh, the surface and the angle that you have your um, ladder set up on. So we want to make sure that those, those safety feet are in place correctly. The other thing with an extension ladder is obviously you pull the two ladder sections apart and slide them to get it to the height you want. Well, you have to make darn sure when, when uh, you get it into that position that it truly is locked in or you can find yourself sliding all the way back down to the bottom and having a, a big problem. So um, I think people know about those things generally. Um, also to go with the safety feet is, you know, you have to make sure that that ladder is on kind of a flat surface. And unfortunately, when I go to use a ladder, it seems like 50% of the time it's on a slope or a little bit uneven base and that kind of thing. And they sell those safety, those foot extensions and stuff so you can make the ladder you know, still stand up straight on an uneven base, but a little bit of some few things to stay stay on top of as you're selecting and placing your ladder. If you can, um, it's a good idea to tie off the ladder to prevent slipping. Now, these aren't always in a place where that's even feasible, um, but if you can do it and you can secure that ladder, um, that that's going to be a lot safer if it's possible. When you set up an extension ladder, you want to observe the four-to-one rule. And the four-to-one rule is simply that for every every four feet of ladder height, you put the base of the ladder one foot away from the wall. So if I had a 16-foot high uh, surface that I wanted to get to, I would put my ladder four feet away from the wall. That is actually a little bit straighter up and down than most people are comfortable with. So if you actually try this, you'll want to put it out at a little bit, um, a little bit. Uh, I guess it would be broader of an angle, you, you, because it's more comfortable to work on. But they've done a huge number of studies on when a ladder is most likely to slip, and with portable extension ladders, slipping is a major cause of injury. Um, and if you can maintain that four to one rule, the ladder has much less of a chance of slipping. So even though it, it seems a little more upright than we might have ideally it's actually the safest um, for anti-slipping the next thing you do with the portable extension ladder is make sure it extends at least three feet above the the elevated surface or roof that you're going to access Um, you want to do this so you can get safely on and off the ladder without I'm, i'm sure we've all been at the roof edge and maybe haven't set it up this way and it's kind of you kneel down and try to squat and get on the ladder on and off and we're being very very careful at that point, being very, very careful when you're doing something is a sign that probably what you're doing is fairly dangerous and um, the way it's set up is not ideal. So if you extend your ladder three foot above that uh, where it rests on the roof or platform, um, that's going to be a lot safer for getting on and off the thing. So um, one other one other rule with those types of ladders is obviously you don't want to lean too far outside of the rails. Because you can imagine, you can hang onto that ladder and lean way off to the side. What's going to happen? That you just bring you and the ladder down sideways, right? As we get our center of gravity 
outside how that ladder is supposed to work. So that's actually called the belt buckle rule. You can lean a little bit to the side, but if the point where if you were wearing a belt buckle would be outside of the rails, then that's too far. So you want to keep your belt buckle point of your body within those side rails, and then you're reducing your chance of uh, having the whole thing go out from under you sideways. Unless, unless you're in Texas where the belt buckles are wider than the ladder. <laughs> yeah, I can't really speak to that too much, but uh, it is called the belt buckle rule. So maybe it should be a belly button rule or something. <laughs> okay, what about fixed ladders? You know, there's uh, ladders going up um, on tops of pilot houses, on top of uh, uh, gantry cranes. Uh, there's special rules for those. Yeah, the primary one that catches everybody is if, if your ladder's over 20 feet high, it's required to have a cage installed, um, or you could use a ladder fall restraint device, which is basically maybe a stainless steel cable that's that's designed and engineered and mounted in the center of that. You wear a fall protection harness with a D-ring on the front, and you attach to that cable. So if you slip, that cable locks just like a seatbelt would lock if you um, were in an accident. So if it's over 20 feet high, you have to have a cage or a fall restraint device. And if you have a fall restraint device installed, you have to train people on how to use that properly. The ones I've seen aren't too hard um, to deal with, but they, they aren't nothing either. So they would take a couple minutes of, of showing somebody how to use it correctly. Um, there are a couple other things with fixed ladders. One, we want to make sure we have clearance in the back and on the sides to get your hands around. And this is a real issue in ship's holds um, where product might be stacked against the back of the ladder. But you need about, you know, four inches to get your foot through it enough to have a good footing on the ladder. And you, ha you have to have enough uh, space also to get your fingers around the rungs or the side rails, whatever you're holding. So we need a little bit of clearance. And often the ladders will have clearance for most of the distance, but maybe it runs across an obstruction or a, a structure of the boat or a deck. Um, and then there's something there that interferes um, with your ability to step through the ladder properly or to hold on to it properly. And you should watch for those because um, those are spots where people would be more likely to slip. Um, for fixed ladders also, we have to have some provisions for getting safely on and off. And most fixed ladders, um, I don't know if it's most, but in many cases, you, you can't uh, necessarily run a fixed ladder three feet above the surface that you're going to land on. Um, so what you do instead is you have handholds. And OSHA's rules on this are just basically you have sufficient handholds provided for safely getting on and off the ladder. Um, and these are usually um, round stock that's welded to a, a, a bulkhead or something like that. Um, around the hatch area uh, that gives you at least, again, four inches to get your hand around. Maybe they're a foot long. Um, you, so you just have some handholds so you can get on and off the ladder well. So it should be convenient and easy to get on and off a ladder. And if it doesn't seem kind of natural and, and relatively simple, then, then uh, you should basically look at the OSHA construction standards for ladders and try to figure out a way to, to, make, it, to make it better. So with fixed ladders, um, those are the main things, I think. Yeah, I had a ladder going up from the cargo holds on uh, freight boats, and they couldn't extend beyond the top of the combing because it was a ceiling surface for the hatch cover. So there you were, bet. So there were handheld holds that were on the opposite side of 
the hatch combing. So once you reach the top, you kind of reached over the hatch combing and you had a good solid handhold, but it but it was still the idea that you were going to have to swing yourself up and over the top of that combing. Sure. And sometimes that can't be avoided due to the use of the vessel and everything. But even if you have a situation that's not, um, you know, idealistic in that case, you can still do what you can to make it safe, like having a handhold there or having sufficient handholds. So, um, yeah, there, there, there are some situations like that where you just do the best you can with that vessel construction. And I sure wish they spent a little more energy and when they're designing vessels to try to make sure those things are, are more perfect than they really are. Well, the only times I ever had trouble with those ladders were when, A, the holds were turned on for, for frozen products so the ladder rungs were slippery, or, B, I was trying to get down the ladder with an open coffee cup in my hand. Oh, yeah. which <laughs> So when climbing ladders, um, ideally, you would have both hands free. And I, I've also done it in the past. Uh, where I grew up in the Midwest, um, a lot of people did their own roofing, or certainly we did at home. So I remember being 14 and trying to carry up bundles of shingles on a ladder, and I've certainly seen a lot of people do that since. Um, but ideally, you'd keep both hands free, and you'd use a hand line or something to pull, pull up tools and equipment, or with shingles, even a crane, get all, get all that up there um, so that you can use your hands for climbing the ladder. I really like what you said about well, when you start to feel like you're being extra careful that maybe you need to take another look at that. Because I, I remember kind of slowly climbing over the combing. I set the coffee cup over here, get a handhold, pick the coffee cup up, kind of hippity-hop down the ladder. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All signs, it's, it's less than uh, ideal. And, and, and you know, the, 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 the silly part was that uh, about five minutes later, that coffee was stone cold and I wouldn't drink it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, uh, what happened to your friend there on his, uh, just residential ladder. Um, you know, you pretty much don't think those things are going to happen, but when you throw the variable, like the coffee cup in, you're, you're really increasing your chances of something bad going on. So another couple things, Dan, that I think need a little bit of attention is when you're on a ladder, you're supposed to climb and descend facing the ladder. In a lot of cases, this is a no-brainer because um, you can't do it another way. But um, in general, that's how you're supposed to use it. Um, if the ladder doesn't pass inspection, if a, if a ladder has been dented, um, if the spreader bars on a step ladder are damaged, uh, if the fixed rungs on a fixed ladder are damaged, um, that ladder is supposed to be uh, not – you're not supposed to allow anyone to use that. It has to be condemned or removed from service. Um, so if you have a portable ladder and it has problems like that, you have to tag it, do not use, or you have to remove it from your workplace or your vessel. So I see a lot of OSHA citations with this where people don't want to throw away a ladder because it's just been damaged a little. You know, it's not bad enough. But, boy, you can buy about 10 or 20 new ladders for one OSHA citation. Um, and you can buy 100 or 500 new ladders for one serious claim related to a ladder injury. So the, la the ladders, you know, if you try to protect them from damage, but once they get damaged, it's one of those things um, it just isn't worth keeping around uh, at a workplace and also just for your own well-being. Um, there's something else to think about. And then, then um, one thing that doesn't come up on ships that much because there aren't a lot of overhead lines, but... Um, electricity is a hazard if you're using a metal uh, stepladder or portable ladder. 
Um, obviously, that'll improve your conductivity to a path to the ground, um, and people get electrocuted quite frequently residentially and, and on the shore side by by getting their um, metal ladders too close to electric power. So that should also, you know, people should keep an eye on that. Um, I have a few videos of people actually getting electrocuted, like painters, where they're standing on an aluminum ladder and then they're using a, a, a paint roller maybe on a long stick um, and they get close to just where the regular household power goes into the house. And um, anyway, I have a couple shots of people getting electrocuted with that. So if if you have a windstorm and branches are across your power lines and everything, you got to be really careful. Um, and you're if you're using an aluminum ladder, uh, that could increase your chances of having a serious problem. Most of the ladders that I work with are either aluminum or, or fiberglass, or in the case of fixed ladders, they're they're steel that are welded in place. But there are still some wood ladders out there in in the workplace. What are the special rules for wooden ladders? Um, with wooden ladders, one of the main things is to make sure you do your inspections on them and make sure they're not split or cracked in any way. Um, if you're constructing your own ladder, OSHA even has rules that talk about how many knots could be in there and how sound and hard they have to be or pitch pockets. Um, it gets quite detailed. Um, you have to have about at least 12 inches um, or Basically, they say 11 and a half inches in between uh, the side rails for you to climb, so they can't be all narrow. Um, occasionally, you see those. Um, so the the treads. With another thing with wooden ladders, if they're job made, is that all the rails or the cleats, I guess you would call them, have to be evenly spaced. So you and all ladders, you can't have uh, one on 12, 12 inch centers and the next rail, eleven inch centers and the next one. You know, or what I often see is you have the you have the rung set up on twelve inch centers, but someone didn't plan exactly right, so the rung closest to the ground or or closest to the top is some different distance, like seven inches. Um, that would make the ladder uh, basically unsafe, and it should be removed from service. So your your ladder uh, rungs have to be uniformly spaced. But the the main thing with wood ladders is uh, condition. Um, and watching for cracking and rotting um, and things that could cause a failure. The other place where ladders are used um, is in conjunction with scaffolding, which have its own rules. Can you talk to us about scaffolds? Um, Yeah, the scaffolding, uh, there's quite a few rules in 1915 related to using scaffolding for ship repair, and then obviously the construction standards for for, uh, OSHA cover scaffolding kind of in depth. Um, but what what the rules kind of talk about is making sure the lumber you're using is suitable. Um, again, you don't have excessive knots or pitch pockets or weak spots in that lumber. Um, that you set up the scaffolding on a secure base um, and uh, have it so it's very stable. Um, interesting thing about scaffolding is it'll have uh, supports that are actually used for the structure of the scaffolding. You see them as kind of X's. Um, if you've seen those, Dan, as you look at a piece of scaffolding on a building, you'll have these structural supports. Well, those don't substitute for handrails. So even though uh, a lot of the old scaffolding, you see it have these X's, the X in the center when you're standing at that level is about knee high. Um, so that would not constitute a guardrail. So once you get uh, start getting up higher on a scaffold, 
um, those structural components uh, don't meet the requirements for, for uh, fall protection guardrails. So um, that's something that some people miss. Uh, you can't use soft lines like on suspended scaffolding if you're going to be welding because um, clearly you can melt or uh, cut your own own uh, support line there on suspended scaffolding. So main thing with scaffolding, uh, make sure it's set up properly. Make sure people have fall protection, that they don't have to climb the, the uh, structural to get up on it. It has to have a ladder for access, a proper ladder, not just climbing the, the sides of it. Um, and whoever sets it up and inspects it before people use it should be competent. Um, at doing that and know how that scaffolding is supposed to be set up. And, you know, they rent this stuff all the time um, and give it to just kind of about anybody. But in a workplace, um, if, if it was me, I would never allow just regular people to set up scaffolding without any kind of training um, at all, because it, um, I don't know if you've done it before, Dan, but it, it can get kind of complicated. And there are some ways to set it up that may not be the way it was designed to be. So, um you want to make sure you have somebody who really knows how uh, to make sure that they didn't make any errors in the construction. You may find this interesting, and I just learned it not that many weeks ago, but out at the oil refineries uh, here in northern Washington, all the scaffolding is set up by the Carpenters Union. I didn't know that. Yeah, they do. The, the, the Carpenters Union does all of the scaffolding setup, maintenance, takedown. They inspect it. They certify it. They, they do all of that before anybody else uses it. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, and I, boy, it seems pretty wise if you can get that to happen um, because I, I wouldn't want to be the person who's given a big pile of these scaffold parts and told to kind of put it up there um, because, you know, a regular person, you just don't know enough without a little bit of direction. Um, and and it doesn't have to be scaffold school either, but it has to be enough to uh, make sure that you've got all the pieces right and attached properly and, and whatnot and the pins in place. And um, it's not a nothing. So it deserves a little bit of attention. You can imagine what kind of injuries a person would get from a scaffolding collapse. With all of these rules... Am I, the employer, required to conduct training with my employees for ladders and scaffolding before I send them out to do these jobs? Well, it's interesting because there's no real requirement for training a person on a ladder or documenting on any kind of training. But there's actually no way to ensure that people use ladders properly without doing some training. So in this way, it's kind of a catch-22 in these regulations. Okay. So in, in, in my position... If we conduct training, we document it, whether the rules say we need to document it or not. That's just the way we go about it. And it would seem to me that you know, that's the right thing to do. If you're training someone to do something, it makes sense to document that training, don't you think? Oh, I, I think in this day and age, yes. Um, you wouldn't get a citation for not documenting it, but um, it also helps you keep track of who you've trained and who you haven't, um, which could just be helpful. Uh you know, when you review your training once a year or something and you, you make sure that no one's falling through the cracks. So, uh, you know, the, the I've seen some videos. It's, it's kind of interesting. Ladders is, is super interesting to me. I've seen some manufacturer videos, like, for instance, on how to set up an extension ladder. And I don't know about you, but when I first started using extension ladders, I don't know, I was, you know, between 14 or 11 and 25 and, uh, 
Sometimes if you have a really long one and it's heavy, like those fiberglass ones, you're wrestling the thing. And by the time you get it up, you're kind of sweating and, you know, you feel like you've uh, done battle. Um, you get these manufacturer videos on how to set up an extension ladder. And there are actually a few techniques. And it, it looks like an 11-year-old would have no problem with a 30-foot extension ladder because there are some ways to, to manage that. Um momentum and everything and a way to handle that ladder um, that I was just amazed. I thought, how come no one ever showed me how to do this? I feel like an idiot um, setting up ladders and, you know, just sweating, dripping with sweat, trying to get everything lined up and take it, putting it up and taking it down. So um, it might be an idea to, to uh, I know in the state of Washington, uh, the Department of Labor and Industries has a free safety video library that you can sign up for and they'll mail you uh, safety videotapes that you can um, look at and show to your people and that can mix up your training too so you don't have to buy all those videos. Um, but it might be worth, if you're going to get any from something like that, get a couple of those those ladder videos because it's uh, you feel like you never knew how to use a ladder till you see one. Okay, I'll go check them out. Well, that looks like the end of our topic for today. It's my all wife. Right. It's my wife's birthday today. We're off to the hockey game. Oh, that, did she pick that or did you? She did. I, she loves hockey. Gosh knows why, but at least uh, you know, at least the snacks are good. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds like a good time. Thanks for uh, the podcast today, Dan. It was great. You're welcome. Enjoy your weekend. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Spot on Safety. If you would like to ask a question or leave a comment, you can email us. The address is spot on safety at iWorkwise.com.